0: It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. We're broadcasting in summer and the heat is on, but have you felt the Zionist freeze? The modern Western view of Israel is summed up in a popular ice cream brand. Hence, a little more of that freeze. Ben and Jerry had recently had this movement to stop sales in the West Bank, East Jerusalem as well, calling it akin to anti-apartheid with South Africa. Younger Americans and even younger Christians have increasingly become anti-Semitic. So today we're going to talk about it and ask that question, does Israel really matter at least to the U.S. and to you and I. And are they this great growing evil that we need to stamp out. It would seem a lot of people feel that way, but we're going to look a little deeper, we're even going to look for the God story with Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein, founder and contributor to Cross Currents and director of interfaith affairs at the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He joins me to take it on with A View from Jerusalem. Now, A View from Jerusalem with
1: Rabbi Adlerstein.
0: Hello, Rabbi. Good to have you.
1: Great to be back, Michelle.
0: Ben and Jerry's bid, by the way, to halt sales in Israel's West Bank was denied. The news story came out this week, but the Zionist freeze does continue. Ben and Jerry represent this new thinking indicative of a younger generation, Rabbi. It,
1: It just is overwhelming how cunning and evil these Zionists are. I was sitting with a couple of friends and Mamilla Mall. It's an upscale mall right near the entrance to the old city. And I kept on seeing Arabs walking through the mall, sitting down in the same restaurants, buying in the same stores, sometimes running the stores. And I said, that can't be, because Israel's is an apartheid state. And in an apartheid state, you don't have people like that mixing And casually meeting and enjoying access to the same places. And then I realized these Zionists are so evil, they get Israeli actors to dress up as Arabs, just to (laughs) confuse the rest of us to think that maybe it isn't an apartheid state, but I'm so happy that we know better.
0: Oh my goodness. This was an opinion piece on MSN that says there's a new holy war that's rising. People of faith have to stand against. Israel in this article they say that Christians doing uh, Jericho marches and Jews alike in the U.S uh, around the capital is calling for a bloody jihad uh, they say that Christians and Jews praying uh, for America yet hating uh same-sex relations and race mixing, which is a gross misrepresentation, is all part of this movement. And this writer says that we, as people of faith, need to stand against it. So it's not just the secular mindset. It's really becoming pervasive in the world of faith. It's
1: becoming pervasive, I wouldn't say, in the world of faith. I think it's more in the world of losing faith. Now, people don't abandon religion, traditional religion, overnight. Not individuals and not denominations and, and and churches. They gradually lose their enthusiasm for the past. They lose their connection to the past. They question everything that was a value in the past, but they hold on to certain core values. Now, on the left, on the religious left, the Christian religious left, for decades, you didn't see too much faith. There was some some lip service paid to it. I can tell you that I used to go to the denominational meetings of major denominations that I held every two years. I remember one in particular where there was mention of God at the opening gong on day number one. And then he was mentioned again on day five at the close. But you could not hear any talk, any God talk at all in the intervening days. You don't get the same feeling like when you walk into a Pentecostal church and people are standing there with their eyes closed and talking to God, that was lacking. So on the left, you have people who've replaced God with the pursuit of justice. Social justice has become the only Christian value that has survived. The same is true on the Jewish left. Ben and Jerry's, the two people, the eponymous founders of Ben and Jerry's, are were born Jewish. They consider themselves proud Jews, but they hate Israel. They don't have any connection to Jewish practice or Jewish tradition. They are not anti-Semites in the classic sense at all. But they know they hate Israel because they have this view that Israel cannot be a just state because there are too many people there who don't who don't have as much as other people have, which kind of sounds like the United States, if you ask me, but it's usually easier to point project your own faults on somebody else in a classic interview. Somebody asked Ben and Jerry, said, you guys pride yourself on your social responsiveness, and that's why you said you don't want to sell ice cream on the West Bank. You have no problem with Israel, but you're not going to sell on the West Bank. They knew full well that according to Israeli law, if you don't sell in the West Bank, you can't sell in Israel. Effectively, they were boycotting in Israel, and that did get them in trouble with the law. But anyway, the, the, the reporter asked them, the interviewer asked them, there are a lot of other trouble spots in the world. China is not doing so well out there, because, you know, we're talking about concentration camps with a million people,
0: Awkward.
1: you got a lot of other places in the world. Why is it that it's only Israel, only Israel, that you guys decided you are not going to provide your services? And I don't remember whether it was Ben or Jerry, and he said, it's a good question. I've never considered that. That said it all. To This is a good part of what's valuable about this to to Christians. We can talk more about why Israel is important, but this alone would be a reason why it's important to Christians, because when you abandon religion, when you abandon religion, you wind up singing the praises of other values, some of them not so bad, some of them questionable, but they replace the quest for God. They replace the quest for connection. And what they do is provide young people with a substitute for carrying the torch that their parents wanted to pass on Mm -hmm. to them. That's a real problem, Michelle, not only with Jews, where it's certainly a problem. I'm an Orthodox Jew. We don't have the problem. But anybody who's not an Orthodox Jew, Those denominations are not going to be here 20 years from now. Orthodox Jews are going to survive, but the same thing's happening to evangelicals.
0: Oh, it is indeed. And here's the rub. It's as though a biblical phrase is having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, it it looks good on the outside, but you go a little bit deeper and it's rotten to the core. And I think that there's a, a mindset that wants to do the right thing. We want to be good. We want to be good people, but goodness without God does not cut it. Our kindness turns to cruelty. What do I mean? We have this compassion for people and the Bible entreats us to love people. God is no respecter of person. We see homeless people on the street. We see people who, even through their own destructive choices, are living homeless or addicted. And we are not called to be the people who look down our noses at them and say, don't come to our churches and just stay this far away from me. We're called to have compassion and to love people with God, there's a call to repentance, to a changed life, to restoration. But without God, we just want to be kind to them, and we want to accommodate them, and we want to help them have access to to safely shoot themselves up and commit suicide. Wait, what? Uh, so our kindness turns to cruelty. It It's a bizarro, cattywampus world we live in. And we know, Rabbi, that this Issue with the Zionist freeze, even from Ben and Jerry's perplexing answer, gee, that's oh, a good question, shows that there's something deeper. It's a God story and it's a spiritual battle. There's a reason why there is a hatred towards anything concerning the God of the Bible. Your thoughts?
1: You didn't leave me very much to say. Than...
0: <laughs> Shut up, Michelle. Um, <laughs> Let your guest talk.
1: <laughs> it's great when we concur so much. Thinking of what you said. A, a minute ago, about about latching on some good values without understanding the power behind that. I've got new insight into a phrase that my Christian friends taught me years ago, and it was cheap grace. <laughs> when it was re, when it was initially used, it meant people who just are trying uh, who, who believe that through belief alone they are saved and they don't have to do anything more for the rest of their lives. They're getting in. And Do you know what we all- call
0: that? We call it greasy grace and sloppy agape. Yeah,
1: I like that. It's now come back in a more sophisticated manner. What you're talking about really is a kind of cheap grace. It's saying we are going to emulate oh. some of the ideas of God, but not in a matter that not in a manner that really counts. We'll throw money at them. We'll announce that New York City we are a safe haven city. So if Governor Abbott in Texas, you want to send us busloads and busloads of people? Okay, we'll take them. But now we're going to appeal to the federal government to bail us out because we have no idea what
0: to do. Because we don't like it. And there's another woke company from my corner of the world in Seattle, Starbucks. They had compassion on the homeless and had a... a company-wide edict that anyone can use our bathrooms. This is a safe haven. All are welcome. Now in Seattle, a couple of my favorite stores decided to close because their policy was making it unsafe for workers, and for customers. There were people who were shooting up in bathrooms. So our kindness, again, turning to cruelty, and I would say stupidity. So their worldview just didn't work out in the end. As we look at this issue with Israel. No country and no man is perfect. But do you think that Israel's getting a bad rap? It's
1: anti-Semitism. Now, before you say there's the Jew complaining about anti-Semitism, just give me a minute to explain. America is not an anti-Semitic country. There are anti-Semites in it, but it's not an anti-Semitic, not by any means. It's been the friendliest place to Jews in 2000 years. But there are two kinds of anti-Semites. They're the overt kind, and they're pretty dangerous, and they're getting more dangerous all the time because of social media and the the like. But there's a different kind of anti Semitism. Like William Buckley, if you remember him back in the old days, talked about a genteel anti Semitism. People who don't even realize that they're anti Semitic, but they're just not so comfortable around Jews, or they're only comfortable around mythical Jews who are perfect. And most Jews I know, actually, nobody I know is perfect. So that doesn't... As
0: Christians would argue there was one, but that's for another day. <laughs>
1: it'll probably it'll probably be the last episode that we have together. <laughs> for that one. But yeah, as long as we both agree that he was Jewish and he was a rabbi, and that, and that if I would be transported in the time machine back then to back then, I'd have no problem eating any food in his house because he is scrupulously kosher. But I'm eating in the house of reform rabbis who are not kosher. So think of that as an irony when you try to lump all rabbis together. Anyway, there is anti-Semitism. There are lots of people who are anti-Semitic without knowing it, meaning that they will double down on Israel for things that they are just blind about in other countries and don't think twice about about overlooking those faults in others, but Jews somehow have to be more perfect for us to tolerate them. They appreciate the dead Jews and mourn over them, but they can't stand live Jews. And it's not conscious. And I'm convinced that it's the more serious kind of anti-Semitism. Yeah, it often
0: is. We talk about unseen racism in America. And yes, as a brown girl, I think I've experienced it here and there, but no, America is not a racist nation. No, there's not systemic racism. I'm sorry. I've experienced life with some kind of racism or bigotry. It's not in the system. Otherwise, I would not have what I have today or be who I am in a professional sense. But there are places where some of our crazy, extreme conversations may have turned the light on for people to say, I have been a little bigoted in some areas. Maybe it's time I grow up. Great. But We don't want to hear that whereism is concerned. We don't. We do not want to go down that road, and that's why I say it's part of a spiritual battle. Maybe back up for just a moment on how we've gotten here. The first thought in my mind was we don't teach history in (laughs) very well in schools any longer. We are more interested in debating. Do you know what a male or female is? That's okay,
1: since the Supreme Court justice doesn't know either.
0: Thank you. And so we're very far removed from the Holocaust. We're very far removed from some of the extraordinary history and miraculous godly interventions with the Six-Day War. So so many of us, now adults, have no connection whatsoever to some of that history.
1: That's a major problem, the, the rewriting of history. Is even more dangerous than ignoring it altogether. Mm. People buy for control of children's minds and how they're going to teach history. And what was it, the 1610 Project? Yeah. Wrong year. They, you know, instructing people that America was a foundational principle of America was racism. Without slavery, then it would have been the United States of America. I think every nation
0: in the world could say that because slavery has been a part of every nation in the world. It's a human condition problem, not a white man problem. And that's where we like to segment ourselves, part of being a anti-Semitic is divi- more of this division that divides and conquers us instead of recognizing that we are one race and that is the human race. We all have a sin problem. We all need that connection with God. Rabbi, our national media covers Israel to a large degree as a great evil and the apartheid that's happening and the Palestinian issue. Can you give us a view from Jerusalem on what that story really is?
1: Glad you don't have any major corporate sponsors because <laughs> they probably pulled the a plug after this, but there's a simple reality that we have to keep in mind. And it is so important for Christian listeners to really internalize it that it's not just that a generation has grown up without a connection to the past and doesn't know anything about the miracles of 1967, it doesn't realize at all that the nations around Israel were established exactly with the same pen stroke that Israel was in the aftermath of World War One, and that there's nothing more colonialist about Israel than there is about Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon, and Besides just not knowing history, it's that people manipulated history. And where's the manipulation going on? It's going on at universities where this is no secret. Faculties are overwhelmingly to the left. You have a hard time getting appointed to any position if if your political positions are right of center, certainly if you actually believe in religion. And there's an ethos in the university of people who really have rejected God and now use their bully people and bully pulpit. And they've done it now for two generations. So you have people who really have replaced. God. You take people who still have some reverence for God and for past and know their parents and grandparents, and they're lost in a combination of what they're getting on mainstream media, which is governed by people who went through that you know, those university years and the university experience itself. It doesn't start there, as as people have pointed out. The average kid who is lost to Christianity is lost by the beginning of high school. And that's, that's because those values, those rejection of God values, are incorporated in mass media, in the games kids are playing, in social media, so that the only way to bring up kids... Who, are, who have the idea of holiness in their vocabulary, is to band together in communities of faith and then to have your own schools. In the Orthodox world, the view from Jerusalem is there is no such thing as an Orthodox Jew who sends their kids to secular schools. Not in America and not in Israel. The majority of schools are secular. If you care about God, then you want to make sure that godliness connection with God, not through brainwashing. It just doesn't work. But you want to give your kids a foundation. You want to keep your kids connected with God in everything they do, in their recreation, in their reading, and in, in the friends they keep, in the values that they're picking up in the classroom. You just can't do that without education. It's, it no. tears my heart out to see people who homeschool their kids for elementary school. And then at the Absolute worst time in their lives when hormones start to kick in, they'll send their kids yeah. to secular high schools, and that's it, it, it's just an undoing of everything that, that they cared about in the past.
0: I applaud the new movement of increased homeschooling. We learned we can do it during the pandemic, and there's a lot of resources good for you because god says in his word test me try me prove me and of course that's specific in malachi but the god would even say go ahead test me on this is really huge to me because we do not like to be tested on our ideology on our thoughts on our supposed subtle science but yet god says go ahead bring it on come on god says that who are we we are not above god so in in educating your kids and a biblical worldview says it's okay to bring on challenges. It's okay to listen to other points of view. Just be grounded in your point of view. Be grounded in the Bible and bring on those challenges. And let's see what really weighs out. And that is what's truly important with not only looking at the world through your worldview, but looking at the news with things like Israeli-Palestinian relations. And I wanted to circle back to that because a lot of Americans do not understand what's really happening there. We get fed one view of the news. If you could sum up maybe another view, what would you say to our audience?
1: Say that life is complex. Don't make any judgment about complex things until you study what is actually going on. Fair enough. This view of Israel as an apartheid state, you land at the airport and you know that it's not true. You go any place in the country, it's not true. We hear about apartheid roads. I travel all the time through the occupied West Bank and I've, I haven't encountered one of those roads yet. It's a country which is dynamic, full of diversity. More than half of the country is not white. I don't know what you'd call them, brown, like you. <laughs> Uh, the majority of Jews here are Sphardic. They are dark, so there's a gene component there also. But it's very hard to call this. And it goes against
0: the narrative. And yet, that's what we really need to be looking at. Look a little bit closer before you make a judgment. For many of us, I, gotta,
1: I have to relate one one thing that happened to me just like a yes. week or two about on I had a charming guest at my house on Friday night week two weeks ago. Can't give away too much about her because. will figure out who she is, which would not be appropriate. But it comes from a Palestinian Christian family, family that is anti-Israel strongly, suffering in the city they are, where there used to be very strong Christian presence. It happens to be a very important city to Christianity. And now Christians are down to 6% of that city. And where they have to be careful as Christians, no matter what the PA says, it's not comfortable for Christians there, whether you're pro-Israel or anti-Israel. I know some pro-Israel people in that city, of uh, pastor friends of mine, but they're the exception. Anyway, this young lady, very bright and charming, multiple degrees, spent years studying, uh, studying abroad, can live any place in the world that she wants, but she wants to rescue her parents. But she comes from a family that is not exactly pro-Israel, quite the opposite. Yet she considers herself entirely pro-israel so i asked her what happened she was brought to my table by somebody who's working for a christian or a leftist christian organization that is decidedly not friendly to israel he brought it to my table and said But two of you are going to gang up on on me so what was the story with this young lady how did she turn pro-Israel? i asked her she said it was very simple i started reading the bible that was it wow bible the bible taught me that the that the jews are not imposters that they are stakeholders here minimally that god did promise them something about this country and i just can't buy the narrative that the the new narrative of the pa is that this is supposed to be the workaround for christians that no the jews may go back to biblical times even though we don't acknowledge that either but even if it's true We Palestinians go back further than that because we are descendants of the Canaanites. We are, which, you know, is just a gross historical distortion. There's no truth to that at all. The the Arabs here are Arabs who came from North Africa hundreds and hundreds of years ago, to be true. But, But they're not the Canaanites. But it's just interesting that they're trying to make an argument with a Christian argument that, yeah, we're Canaanites. So we're the original founders here. It's like telling the uh, people in London that you better move over because the, uh, the Celts are back and you guys are descendants of the Angles and the Saxons uh, a thousand years ago. So move over.
0: These divisions (laughs) are such a horrific distraction to the deeper narrative. And I say that is the God story, the story, as I mentioned, of humanity, we have a need for a savior and when you see the farther removed we are from the god story the more the division the more the angst we see coming from our segments of society but as we wind up our time together i wanted to share some good news this month auburn university men's basketball team became the first major american college to visit israel now, their coach, Bruce Pearl, said, I am a Jewish American basketball coach. I'm a proud Zionist. They, he said they love us in Israel, and therefore they love the athletes that go to Israel. Many people. Players during this, by the way, folks were baptized in the Jordan River. It was quite an extraordinary event. As we say, yeah, there's breakdown. Yeah, there's a Zionist freeze. Maybe but there's also a strong movement of people who are not woke but are awakening to the god story. In fact, rabbi, there is this as well. It's the return to Israel is a big movement that we'll be talking about more on my Michelle live. It's a movement to uh, repentance, to reunification with with Jews, and it's astounding. So from a biblical perspective, I'll give my final word, and then I'll give the final word, the final word to our rabbi. From a biblical perspective, our program today comes with a warning, a very strong warning, that we actually need Israel more than Israel needs the United States. Genesis 12, 2, and 3 say, I will make you, speaking to Israel, a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Ouch. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Again, Rabbi, important show with a warning. We need you more than you need us. Oops.
1: Okay, I'm going to go one up on you. I'd say that even more important than Genesis 12, 3 is something an Anglican friend of mine taught me. And that is, as non Jews, as Christians, what evidence is there any place that God keeps his promises forever with people who are sinners and undeserving? And there's only one text. And that is the survival of the Jewish people. That is the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. That is the only thing that Christians can hold on to as, their, as the concrete evidence in front of your eyes that God keeps that promise. On a more pragmatic note, not as important, but pragmatic, if you really are interested in the background and another view of Israel, but one not written by any extremist. There's a book I recommend again and again and again. It's called Letters to My Palestinian Neighbor by Yossi Klein Halevi. It will give you a bite-sized view of the history, of the arguments on both sides, the Israeli side and the Palestinian side, and a recipe, difficult recipe, but a recipe for achieving peace in the Middle East. I can't recommend it too highly.
0: Well, thank you, Rabbi. And we'll put a link to that book, actually, in explanation of who we are and what we do wherever you're listening, watching, or viewing. Thank you, Rabbi. You are such a blessing to me personally, to our listeners. And I would encourage you as you're watching, listening, or viewing, like, share, subscribe, because we are part of the God story. God bless you. Thank you. More news and views at mymichellelive.com.